Hello everyone and welcome to Corico's very own property podcast. My name is Monty and I shall be your host to guide you through and investigate the very latest in the world of mortgages, property and the general financial world. This week we're going to look at technology in more detail. Everyone seems to be talking about robo-advice, the changing world and how brokers are going to stay relevant. Um, As someone who struggles to turn my laptop off and on again, this should be an eye-opener for me. Uh, But the good news is, to make sense of it all, I have not one, but two technical geniuses, or genii, I think it is, um, leading the revolution in the mortgage industry is 27 Tech, and I'm delighted to be joined by James Tucker, who is the MD of 27 Tech. Hello, James. Hey, Monty. How are you doing? And also, back with popular demand, is Matthew Lowndes, Matt Lowndes, Corico's very own tech guru and and MD. Welcome again, Matthew. Hello, Monty. Um, So, without further ado, I'm going to crack on, because I think this is is something that a lot of people have been talking about. But before we get into the crux of it, James, 27 Tech, you've been making waves in the industry for a while. Um, What do you do? What's your what is your mission? What what's Twenty Seven Tech all about? Tell us, tell us all a little bit. Um, great question, Monty. So so we came in, in into the industry off the back of trying to utilise more modern API driven technologies to create efficiencies and process for advisors. Because I think if you look at the processes that advisors have been going through to to write business for their clients and the technology solutions they've been using to date, it's been relatively archaic and relatively time consuming. Yeah. So so we felt that there was a real opportunity for a new player to come into the space and try and create new solutions to to connect the dots a little bit, to join some of the systems up together that are, are very disparate at the moment. And really from, from day one of working with Mortgage Advice Bureau back in, in 2015 to build out the systems that we've built out so far, that, that's really been our goal. And sourcing was, was the first platform that we mm. built, so helping brokers find the right products for their clients. And from then all the way through now to, to data analytics and, and into lender application submission. And, and I think we're starting to make some real progress and, and hopefully get some good traction. Mm. And and the sourcing that you started, oh, we've been on a bit of a journey with you on that from there, from when it first started in the sourcing. That that's it's not just typing in details and finding products. It's a bit more intelligent than that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. If you look again at the advice process from kind of three or four years ago, advisors tended to use sourcing systems as kind of a a bit of a rough guide and then use their own knowledge, their own context to try and find the right products. We felt that if you could build a system which utilised a lot more of a lender's criteria, you can help brokers get to the right product a lot sooner, or certainly at least to the right lender as well. I don't think that's ever been about trying to replace a broker. It's about trying to help them become more efficient. Ultimately, if, if you're trying to maintain in your own mind eight, nine million pieces of lender criteria and understand and learn all the different rules, particularly as a new broker as well, that's an incredibly hard thing to do. So a really good sourcing system can help you give you that, give you that extra bit of knowledge mm. that you need to, to get to that recommendation at the right time. And have you found that that brokers are quite set in their ways? We had a good question on Twitter, actually, from Adam Hosker. He said, uh, I I like 27 Tech, they're they're really good, but a lot of the brokers that he works with are are quite set in their ways, Uh, so they might use other systems and... Do you know what brokers are intrinsically? Uh, well, not lazy, maybe that's the wrong word, but they they know what they know. <laughs> Matt's nodding. <laughs> I'll come to you later, son. Um, so uh, they know what they know, and, and it's quite hard to change sometimes. How, how do you convince people to... That, that your offering is is a way forward. 
Yeah, I think that's a great question. I, the, the reality is if, if you're a broker who's writing four or five mortgages a month, every month, and that's that's consistent for you and, and you're happy with that in terms of your business process and, and your income levels, changing technology isn't going to make a massive difference to mm. you. might make you a little bit more efficient here and there, but but not greatly so. I think where we add value is where you've, you've got a firm who's very focused on efficiency and process. Can they drive more revenue? Can they get to better client outcomes faster? And look, if, if moving technology can help those sort of firms increase revenue 10%, 15%, increase earnings 5%, 10%, that's where we can add the value. And that's uh, where I think we've been, we've been successful in adding value so far. And um, so... Matt, 27 Tech, so they've come in uh, a bit fresh. Have you been Im- impressed by sort of a, a fresher approach? What, what do you, what's your sense of the, the sort of certainly the sourcing industry? You've got, you've got other players, but have they not really I think we needed somebody to. I think we needed somebody to come in and shake it up. Yeah. I think, you know, I think I, I told you about 15 years ago I wanted to try and <laughs> modernise some of the systems that we use at our old company when we have decided to slowly, slowly. A- abandon paper files, which I still see lying around our office today, even though we yeah, tried desperately to, uh, to get... I mean, go back to your point. I can't, I can't answer in a sec, but, you know, our brokers inherently lazy. No, they're not. But actually, if you've done the same thing for the same way over so many years, you need somebody else to come and tell you there's a better way to do it. Yeah. Now, that takes business owners and it takes somebody like 27 Tech to come in and do a bit of disruption. Now, we're not talking disruption like you hear all the time about yeah. stuff, but you, there is definitely a better way of doing something. And I think they've shown that. I mean, we piloted the uh, sourcing within Midas and MAB system. And actually what we found, to go back to James's point, is that actually we found some of the humans in our office actually understood the criteria better than the system did by when you're just automatically locking out products. So I think if you combine someone's knowledge and their skills as a broker with great systems that allow them to review and and to just do a double check to make sure you've done the right Mm. thing, you end up with far better customer outcomes. And I think that's what, for my opinion, that's what all of Mm. this is all about moving forward is like the FCA talk about it a lot. We talk about it a lot, you know, what are the better ways to have better outcomes because what's happening at the moment and what's happened over the last 10 years is garbage and it needs to change because yeah. it's just rubbish you know yeah. it's just we need to get better yeah there are so many better ways of doing things in other industries that we've just got to we've got to we've got to bring them into ours and and better customer outcomes despite what the fca seem to be implying in their report is not price driven <laughs> there, there is a great deal i've got more a question on that i thought you might <laughs> so that's interesting all right i'll, I'll jump to that yeah, it's not so, skyscanner is it it's not skyscanner so uh, the competition review that you're talking about, the, the FCA, they, they've come out with this um, with this consultation paper that basically the central tenant seems to suggest that price is everything. And if you're a consumer and you're missing out, missing out in inverted commas on, on the on the best price, actually, you're you're you've probably got the wrong product. Now, we all know as brokers, there are all these other unobservable differences uh, which the FCA have seemed to think don't have a massive effect but they do things like speed of service things like type of property income etc etc all these things make a difference Um, and it seems that they're suggesting there should be more execution only almost rowing back on on MMR do you think that's is that pressure from lenders wanting to do their own thing is it pressure from the new breed of digital 
only brokers that are coming out. Where, where do you think that's coming from? I think that there's no question that from a lender perspective, margins are squeezed right now and therefore the ability for them to try and drive more business direct, whether that's execution only or in some other vein, is is certainly going to be something that the lenders are keen to achieve. I think the part of the, the tenant in, S, in the FCA's viewpoint is, is how do we get customers to a decision sooner? Because I think that's a big challenge that this industry does yeah. has. Is it's all well and good going in and doing an application for a mortgage, which could take you a week, two weeks to do by the time you get that application in. But you then might have to sit there for two weeks before you get a decision. Mm. And their principle of trying to drive earlier eligibility is correct, but you can't drive that and then disregard all the other elements that come into making the right recommendation for, for a client. I, I think there's a halfway house to, to be found here. And to be fair, I, I think the industry itself is doing what it needs to do to find that anyway. I don't think we necessarily need the involvement of the SEA to tell us that we need better eligibility tools. Yep, mm. we accept that. Um, but advice is still a crucial element of, of the whole process to create the best outcomes. Yeah, my worry with all of this is that actually it leads to a dumbing down of advice. Yeah. And actually, if I'm if I'm a customer and I want the cheapest two-year fix, then I know how to go online and answer the questions that gets me that. Mm. That might not actually be the most suitable for my circumstances. I know that when most customers come to me, they might start with wanting a two-year cheap fix, but actually they come out with a five-year fix or an offset mortgage, something that's much more appropriate for their needs. But if you're in a, if you're buying a property, is 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 really the price the thing that should be driving what you're trying to do? You know, if you're a first-time buyer, is it price? Or is it actually, do you know what? I, I could go with a different lender on a slightly different criteria and therefore I can afford the extra bedroom. Or I can, yeah. you know, you know, or or I know that I need to buy and then I'd because I want to move in five years' time because my job's going to be taking me here and therefore I, I, I almost want to do mm. two mortgages in that time to, to help me to get to where I need to be. So this idea that it's all price, 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 I mean, you know... You can buy a motorbike from anywhere, but if you want to pay a bit more, you're going to have to pay yeah. for a Harley Davidson, right? So yeah. everything's all, it can't always be about yeah. price. We, we talked about this actually in the last podcast with Robert Sinclair of Amy, and his analogy was very good about actually when you go and buy a car, you buy the basic car and then you add on, you customise it to you. You get the air conditioning, you get the heated seats, you get et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you end up with the exact car to fit exactly what you want. Yeah. Um, so it's no different there. But and, how and many the other... people are actually complaining that they've got the wrong product? I mean, I don't hear it. I mean, is it that actually that the lenders need a bit more flexibility in the products that they're offering? That, you know, instead of you being locked into a five-year redemption at, at 5% with certain people, is it that you should be able to get out of it after two years? Almost like, you know, like taking out a lease on an office, yeah. you've got a break clause. I mean... Is it more to do with that? And then and then, then that's why there's price difference. And mm. this is where IT can definitely help, and that's why. But just having given somebody a portal to go on and find the best rate, I mean, you can do that now. You just go to moneysupermarket.com, right? Yeah. You just you go to LNT's website, you go to yeah. Corico's website, you go wherever. Yeah. You, know? you can get the best yeah. rate if you want the best rate. Yeah, but is yeah it the I best, agree. I but think is, that is it the best rate, is or is there. it the best rate over the initial period, or is it the best rate over the term, or is it yeah. what? When we say best rate, what do we mean? And then you're ignoring all the soft facts no, anyway. Who's the best footballer, Messi or Ronaldo? I mean, you could be here for an hour I thought it discussing was you. that. Born on the same day as Messi, <laughs> that's, that's fine. I guess the other point on that as well is, you know, as you guys will know from working with you in the initial days of the sourcing platform, is sourcing systems and, and rate-driven guys only get you so far. There's yeah. there's grey areas and criteria right. that a great broker can help you get Correct. through and get cases yeah. passed, yeah. where if you disregard that as a customer, you could easily end up with... Uh, the worst product or a, a poorer product than the one you could have got mm. if you'd taken some good advice from someone who knows Barclays incredibly well and can get a case through. Yeah. 
But, you know, if you somebody gives you the advice, they're responsible. If you go and do it yourself, we're direct with the lender. Who's, who's, so if it then becomes, are we back in a PPI thing where you're, it's just a tick box and you suddenly decided you ticked something you didn't think you wanted to tick? Yeah. And there's nobody actually giving you... I mean, if I'm borrowing four hundred thousand pounds, I work in the industry. If I borrowed four hundred thousand pounds, two hundred thousand pounds, I would not want to hit a button. And go, yeah, I know. No, what I'm I wouldn't. About. I really wouldn't. I want to no. check with somebody. I ask everyone in the yeah, office. I want to, bal- I want to do a balance stuff. and check and go. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm right here. Yeah. You know, I, d- I don't. Are we sure it's mm. the right thing I'm doing? Yeah. I don't believe that. That and this goes on to the whole question of robo advice. I mean, how many times have we been to sessions and presentations and robo advice and all the questions are brokers worrying about this? Are they going to be? Are they going to be decimated in the future? Are we going to see less brokers because actually there'll be um, artificial intelligence that can that can do our jobs for us? Is that is that I'm, ever going to happen? I think we we are going to see less brokers. And we are going to see technology have an impact on those brokers who who do their job in a very average way. If you yeah. don't service your clients well, if you don't maintain contact with those clients, if you don't provide a holistic service which extends beyond purely selling them a mortgage, then in my view, you're not going to be here in three to five years' time because you're not adding value to that relationship. I think where where technology needs to drive to and where lenders and intermediaries can help is how do we make the advice process slicker, better, easier so the good quality brokers that are left have more time to service more clients and and help those who really need the advice. Yeah, so less brokers but doing more. Absolutely. And and earning more. And arguably doing a better job. And doing a better job. And and Matt, I know it's something we're passionate about, you're passionate about. It's it's all about the customer, isn't it? It's all about... The customer journey and customer servicing. Yeah, it has to be. I mean, you need to attract the clients. You need to look after them. You've got to help them build. I've talked to, I think I've said it on this hundred times, right? So my favourite line, we, we sell products. Sorry, we advise on products to people who don't even want the product we, 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 yeah. we sell. So, you know, that has to be about advice and that has to be about service and that has to be about the customer. And the customer needs to walk away going... Yeah, they're great. They're going to look after me for a long time. They, you know, they're going to help me grow and do what I want to do. They're the ones that are going to help me go from my first time buyer, help to buy property, to help me buy my first family home, to help me buy. You know, if we're going to do our job properly, we got we go. You know what? We're here for the journey. We, we're 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 part of this for a long time, and that's where technology can help you with that. Because, you know, I remember looking back at my Amazon uh, account, and I think I bought my first purchase in about two thousand. Yeah, I think I bought one thing in the year. And then as time's gone on, and certainly as bloody primes come in, and I've got an app on my phone. and <laughs> It's too easy you, to spend money. You, you realise that there's value in, in, in what they've done. And you yeah. realise that you, you, become, you become trusting of what they've done. You realise that the prices are pretty competitive, obviously, but it's not always the cheapest, Amazon. But you like the service, you like the delivery, you like the way it works. And if there's ever a problem, you know that they'll just take it back and there's not a problem. So I think that's where I think... That's what people become accustomed to in their in their everyday lives, and I think as as advisors in a financial area, we need to become we need to join the dots. So James is right; we need to, you know, if I've advised on a on a house purchase and the, and 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 the mortgage that went with that, what are they doing about the ISA that they might need, or the kids' you know university fund, or the or the putting a deposit down for the next big thing, or the mm. I've got two hundred pound left over at the end of the month, and what should I be doing with it? Well, you know, should you be overpaying or should you be saving it? What what these are the things I think that, that from my point of view that I think that technology can help us with, and yeah, because 
we don't have the time to do some of that stuff. You know, it's difficult. And, and, and the consumer, the customer, needs to take a bit of responsibility. But if they can see it in front of them in black and white or colour or whatever colour your website is, and it's quite clear what, what you've got some options and you can try things, or even they don't even have a definitive outcome but they can mess around with something to really see if I do this or do that. You know, like you see the websites and you can drag yeah, yeah, a line yeah. and what happens yeah. to it. I think that that's empowering. I think you should empower the, 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 the clients of ours to then ask further questions. Why have I done that? Why yeah. do I do this? If I do that, what happens? And that, you build a relationship where it becomes a two-way thing. And I think that's really important moving forward. And I agree, you will get less people, but I think the quality of the advice and the service they receive will be far, far better mm. than it is now. And and James, how do you think the uh, the new breed of online brokers have have changed the industry? Have they are they actually being successful? I mean, you might not be able to say because you, you might work closely <laughs> with some of them, but um, are they? It, I get the sense that they're at least making everyone sit up and take technology seriously suddenly I, I think you hit the nail on the head that that's the big thing they've done really well is they've come into the industry and said we are going to disrupt this industry by using new technology cr- to create a really efficient advice process we're going to go direct to consumer we're going to get integrations with lenders isn't that all going to be fantastic and then they've come across the same issues that every single broker in this market already has <laughs> yeah. today and they've ended up in a scenario where they've they've got a hybrid model which is you've got a, a business with maybe 50 developers and 50 brokers sat there taking phone calls and dealing mm. with businesses um that that's not going to change this industry conceptually what they've done has has created a lot of noise and and given us all the opportunity to sit back and think wow what should i be doing in my business to make sure that i'm keeping pace with these guys mm. but fundamentally they haven't made changes yet i think that the other issue they've got is their cost of acquisition is enormous whereas if you're an established brand like a, a london and country a corico an mab you've yeah. got that lead flow you've got that source of clients that you can access and if you can give those clients that same technology which you can then you're in a far stronger place than someone who's trying to build a client base from scratch mm. yeah i always said that, that that actually it's it's got to be easier from a if you're a mortgage broker and you're established and you've got a, a an end-to-end process and you understand the client putting tech on top of that must be easier than actually having tech yeah, and then trying to build a as soon as you understand broker. it and what you're trying to do yeah. with it because tech for tech's sake you know there are some yeah there are some pretty dog's dinner websites out there that you just realise that somebody's just decided Why'd to... Why would you look at me when you said that? Well, you don't build websites, <laughs> do you? You know, there are some retail outlets you think oh, they've God, got yeah. so desperate yeah. to... Yeah. Uh, you know, some of the big supermarkets have got so desperate to have an online platform mm. that the thing is completely unusable and, and and arguably it's damaging the brand. Whereas people who have thought about it, you know, going on to buy some of John Lewis or whatever, they, they're, you're almost getting a replication of the lovely, friendly, face-to-face human aspect you get in their branch, but you also get the ability to sit at home and order it when you want and pick it up from Waitrose or wherever for when, you, when you feel like it. So yeah. they're... That there has to be that customer choice about how they want to operate and want to interact, and if they still want to talk to a human, I think we should offer as Coraco. I think we should give them the opportunity to talk yeah. to a human. If you just want to do live chat all day at eleven o'clock at night with somebody in India, that's fine. If that's 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 how you want to transact. It's how you want yeah. to transact, and I, we we've got to be we've got to be flexible to the changing needs. Yeah, of the it's consumer. about customer choice. Yeah, isn't absolutely. It? Yeah. Okay. Um, so. I was going to say technology threat or opportunity. I know what you're both going to say, but why is it such an opportunity? Why should no, it's both. Why should brokers do that? Both. Well, if you do it badly, it's a threat. 
Yes, good right. point. So you could ruin your inter- a very, very good business model by doing it badly. Mm. Is it an opportunity? Yeah, of course it is. Because as James said, I think arguably you can be much more efficient with the way that you look after people and give them better outcomes by using good technology. But that technology that you use needs to be able to partner with other people. So it's not just me developing everything or James developing everything. They all have to interlink. They all have to make sure that they can communicate and talk to each other. And that's why some of the development in the API technology that you're seeing is going to be really, really useful because you're giving the customer far more information. You're turning this data they've got into valuable information and you can just see that it will make their lives better and you know, having that great technology, once we can get some of the dinosaur banks to open up a bit, then yeah. it will be great for them. And do you, do you think that open banking is, is, going to, is going to come through and change everything? I, I don't think open banking itself is, is going to come through and changing, change everything. But I do think the principle of openness in systems architecture, which it's driving, mm. is going to make a big difference. Mm. I think Mac made a great point there, which is this isn't about one company trying to, to dominate or to create a system that, that rules them all. It's about people who are very good in the vertical in which they operate, building something with open architecture that enables it to plug into other systems, whether yeah. that's us plugging into lenders or people doing affordability checking or ID checking, plugging into us mm. in some way. There's a whole range of different market participants here who have to work together to create the best solution. And if we do that successfully, we will create a really positive solution for the industry and mm. also ultimately for the customer as well. And then they will get some of the benefits of what open banking can potentially bring for them. And how are you finding it with lenders in terms of um, your your new system and, and how that uh, APIs into lenders? Are you, are you finding it lenders are are open to that? Are they ready for it? Are they easy to deal with? Uh, that's a great question. I think open to it, absolutely 100%. They they see the benefits in being able to create that efficiency and process for advisors because ultimately you guys are incredibly valuable to them now given the amount of business that, that you write. Um, there's no question there's challenges for them in terms of their system architecture. Yeah. You know, you, you've got guys who've been sat there in these banks running the technology platforms there for five, ten years and they're having to go to their boards and say, look guys, we need to invest several million million pounds in a system which is largely going to do what it already does but enables us to plug into third parties that, mm. that's not an easy conversation to to have but there's a there's a big threat for the people that sit on the fence and say okay we're going to do nothing and see how this plays <laughs> out which is that there will be some movers there are some movers who are going to move quite quickly here mm. and the ability for those banks if they've got the funding or the likes of a, a google or an amazon who can come in with the balance sheet to support it as well to create a really efficient and slick process you could see some big shifts in market share among lenders relatively quickly mm. and what do you think will have changed by the end of this year I think by the end of this year, we'll have, uh, across ourselves and a number of other market participants, enough lenders on to be able to start to create some user journeys, some some data points around the success or failures in these forms of integration, and to then learn for, from those those existing lenders as we move into the next phase of, of larger lenders. So I, I think you're starting to see a, a real domino effect now of as more and more lenders come on. You know, you, you'll start to drive other ones and then before you know it you'll get to a point where everybody has to be a part of, of what's happening very good I think we're nearly up one final thing Matthew Lowndes go for so, it so we go back to does we use some systems in our office Monty to help clients get their mortgages that are an absolute dog's dinner but guys still <laughs> persevere that is an understatement through an application because it is the right thing for the client Yes. Okay. They haven't taken the easy option and said, you know what, that lender yeah. system's much easier, that one's much better. We still persevere yeah. through some woefully inadequate <laughs> systems. Where you saw my right? so, <laughs> reactions the exactly. other week. <laughs> so I think 
that we do think about the client. Mm. We care about the client. We're not transactional. I think there are people who've come into the sector who are transactional, and that, that's not what we want to be. So I think there is a place for everybody, and I think people will just over the next couple of years work out what it is they want to be, how they want to do it. And, yeah, I think there's a really good opportunity and a space for people who have innovative thinking and want to be collaborative. All right, one final question. Put you on the spot. What's it going to look like in five years' time? The banks will be exactly the same. <laughs> um, Please don't make me go through that. I reckon that. No, what, what I, I think you will have some seriously big companies that have come in and dealt with the whole uh, ideaing of a human. So I think that big bit of that, that identifying a person, yes. identifying maybe the yeah. spending patterns and who they are, I think you will see some much more maybe sp- bespoke products. I think you might well see some stuff yeah. where you put a client on a platform and they, the lenders all compete so, but I still think that the client will then go, but my broker's put, so we might have put the client there. So we're still giving the advice, but you could, bit like we ring around and get bespoke products for a yeah. client by just doing it by phone. I think you might well see some stuff like Those that. Those conversations, so. yeah, they're, they're starting now about lenders l- looking at going down that route. I think you will see some, some, some changes, but yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced that it is going to look radically different. But I think it will. I think people who have invested in technology and then hopefully can ride this wave of of people opening up this architecture will have will just be much more efficient. Yeah, you agree with that, James? Anything to add? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think the other other points I'd add would be I think you can expect to see consolidation in the broker sector. I think there's there's yeah. a lot of firms who will end up becoming part of a bigger firm, um, yeah. and I think you may well also see that in the lender space as well. Very good. Well, thank you very much. Let's go and watch football. <laughs> now you see now you've date stamped the program matt <clears throat> didn't say what but which year uh well thank you james really appreciate it and uh thank you, i thought you that was fantastic we'll, pleasure uh, as always we'll definitely have you back we'll, we'll revisit revisit uh next year and uh see see where we're at and you did that without knowing what the questions are going to be as well. I did. Will you let me know so next year? Questions? questions? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did too well this time. Uh, Matt, always a pleasure. Thank you, Monty. And uh, thank you all for listening. We'll, of course, be back next month. Some more topical chat. Any comments, topics, future episodes, contact us on Twitter, at Corico. Until next time, this is Corico Calling. Thank you very much. Thank you.